the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Good morning. That's a good song. I don't, I don't know if I've heard that. That's really good. Uh, good morning. I'm Angie Sheffield. I'm married to Pastor Guy. I'm going to share a little this morning on marriage. Last week we started a series on marriage, and I've got to correct everything I said, so I'm going to come back. No, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Uh, but we're going to watch a quick video real quick. So will somebody hit the lights, please, and then start that video. I was sitting with my friend Arthur Kornblum in a restaurant. It was a horn and dotted cafeteria. And this beautiful girl walked in and I turned to Arthur and I said, Arthur, you see that girl? I'm going to marry her. And two weeks later we were married. And it's over 50 years later and we are still married. We fell in love in high school. Yeah, we were, we were high school sweethearts. But then after our junior year, his parents moved away. But I never forgot her. You never forgot me. <laughs> no, her, her face was burned on my brain. And it was 34 years later that I was walking down Broadway and I saw her come out of Toffinetti's. We both looked at each other and it was just as though not a single day had gone by. She was just as beautiful as she was at 16. He was just the same. He looked exactly the same. We were married 40 years ago. We were married three years, we got a divorce. Then I married Marjorie. But first you lived with Barbara. You're right, Barbara. But I didn't marry Barbara, I married Marjorie. Then you got a divorce. Right, then I married Katie. Another divorce. Then a couple of years later at Eddie Colicchio's funeral, I ran into her. I was with some girl I don't even remember. Roberta. Right, Roberta. But I couldn't take my eyes off you. I remember I snuck over to her and I said, what did I say? You said, what are you doing after? Right. So I ditched Roberta. We go for coffee. A month later, we're married. 35 years today after our first marriage. We were both born in the same hospital. 1921. Seven days apart. In the same hospital. We both grew up we one block away from each other. On the Lower East Side. On Delancey Street. My family moved to the Bronx he when I was He lived on there. Fordham Road. Hers moved when she was I 11. I lived on 183rd Street. For six years, she worked on the 15th I worked for floor a very prominent as a nurse, where I Dr. had a practice on the 14th floor, the very same we building. never met. Never met. Can you imagine that? You know where we met? In an elevator. I was visiting family. In the Ambassador Hotel in Chicago, He was Illinois. on the third floor. I was on the 12th. I rode up nine extra floors just to keep talking to her. Nine extra floors. Well, he was a head counselor at the boys' camp, and I was a head counselor at the girls' camp. 
and they had a social one night and he walked across the room. I thought he was coming to talk to my friend Maxine because people were always crossing rooms to talk to Maxine. But he was coming to talk to me and he said, I'm Ben Small of the Coney Island Smalls. At that moment I knew. I knew the way you know about a good melon. A man came to me and said, I found a nice girl for you. She lives in the next village and she is ready for marriage. We were not supposed to meet until the wedding, but I wanted to make sure. So I sneaked into her village, hid behind a tree, watched her washing the clothes. I think if I don't like the way she looks, I don't marry her. But she looked really nice to me. So I said, okay, to the man. We get married. We married for 55 years. Hello. Yes. I love that video. That's from a movie, actually. Anybody ever seen that before? No? We, it was when Harry met Sally. It's an old movie. We used to love that movie 25 years ago. But uh, I wish we could do videos. During the middle of the series, I thought how I wish we would have got with all the married couples and done videos and found out how everybody met and just, you know, made cute little videos because it's funny seeing their personalities together and stuff. But uh, we didn't have time for that because I'm always last minute. But basically, um, I want to share how we met in our testimony, pretty much. Like uh, I read this morning, a test, the actual definition for a testimony is um, evidence or proof provided by the existence or appearance of something. And it, uh, it, our testimony is evidence and proof of God in our lives and everything he's done and how he's changed our lives completely and totally from how we, who we used to be. And so I love testimonies. I watch them all the time. They minister to me just like a good preaching service would. I, I love seeing the actual proof of the live, you know, just hearing what people have been through, what, how God's changed them. And so um, that's what I'm going to share this morning. Um, last week after the service, uh, we got home and, you know, I was thinking back on everything I said. And, you know, out of all those little testimonies just there, I thought, I guess I relate to the last one. Because, you know, all this time I thought we fell in love and had this romance and he married me because he loved me and we were in love. But basically it's just he thought I looked good. So I was like, okay, so you mean all this time I've been thinking this and that's what you got? And he's like, that's what you got out of that whole message, you know? <laughs> and that's, that's a good point about husbands and wives is how we hear each other, you know? He can say all this wonderful stuff, but if I hear the one negative and sit and think about that, then I didn't even hear the rest of the good stuff, you know. I did hear it, but also, you know how preachers say that um, when you're teaching on a subject, you get tested in it or all that, so be praying for us, because Guy has been a handful this week, I'm telling you. <laughs> he hasn't, I'm kidding. I probably have been, but anyway. Uh, so basically, I'm just going to share a little of our story and see where it goes. So uh, we met in 1991 at the Sports Bar and Grill, actually where I met Dorinda too. We used to work together there, but Guy came in there and I worked there and uh, 
I guess at some point he asked me for my number. I gave it to him. Back then, you know, you had home phones, so you had to be at home or leave a voicemail. And so uh, we talked on and off briefly a few months, and um, I was supposed to come up there and have a, I was supposed to get off work one night and have a drink with him. It was a bar, so we were drinking, of course. Uh, and so I had to take a friend home first, and on the way home, I had a wreck and got a DUI. So I didn't get to come back and have a, <laughs> have a drink with him that night. Obviously, I had already been drinking, I guess, but... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, uh, it seemed like it was another month or two almost before we scheduled to go out. Like, I can't remember what all happened, but I remember, like, talking to him a little. And uh, I don't, I kind of remember being indifferent. Like, yeah, I'll go out with him. You know, I wasn't like, oh, yeah, or oh, no. I was just kind of in the middle. So uh, we, he called me and we scheduled a date. And uh, it was a Saturday night. And um, I ended up, I got called into work that day. So I had to call him and cancel our date. And so, I went to work and uh, we had live bands there and it happened to be a band that he knew so he ended up coming up there anyway to see this band and so while he was there he had this girl sitting in his lap and I was like hmm you know I remember thinking like hmm you know so the next day I called him and rescheduled our date so <laughs> so jealousy works for some people it obviously worked for me so Anyway, we went out like the very next day or the next night, and uh, we had a great date. Um, we got along well. We hit it off. We've always got along good. Um, I feel like we clicked, you know, and we, we just immediately started dating, and we got serious. We didn't stop dating. Uh, we dated for um, about two and a half years, and then he asked me to marry him. Uh, Right before he asked me to marry him, it was my birthday, and I was kind of thinking, like, he's probably going to, maybe he'll ask me to marry me on my birthday, you know. I'm going to need some water. Is this <laughs> and so, um, my hands are shaking. So it was my birthday, and I can't remember where we were, but anyway, he pulled out this big present, a big, huge box. So I thought he's just playing me, you know. But it ended up being golf clubs. Okay. I had never ever played golf in my whole life. And so he his thing was he said he wanted that to be something we did, you know, I learned to do and play with him or something. So I was like, okay, thanks, you know. So then a couple weeks later we went on vacation and he ended up asking me to marry him. He said the golf clubs were just to throw me off the track. So it's a funny guy guy story. Guys always brought joy and laughter to my life. He always you know he might, how he makes y'all laugh. He's always made me laugh in so many things. But uh, we got engaged. We got married six months later. Uh, we started to do what you do when you get married. You know, we got a house. We started, you know, being, what do you call it? Uh, I can't think of the word. But we quit partying as much. We quit going to bars as much. We still drank at home and did all that stuff. But uh, he still played in a band. And um, we bought a house. We got I got pregnant about a little over a year after that. Um, we had Kaylee, our daughter Kaylee. Um, he was still playing in bands and doing his thing. Um, uh, before we got married, wait a minute, let me think. I feel like around the time we started having kids is when like uh, you start having struggles. You know, before that, you're still you can do whatever you want. It's just y'all too. You don't have all these extra added pressures or somebody else to take care of and do all this stuff for. Well. Um, that was kind of when, you know, any stress I remember, it started around that time and just with life, nothing major or anything, but um, 
he was gone at least every weekend at both Friday and Saturday nights playing in a band. So I was home with Kaylee now, whereas before I might would go with him. Now I had to be at home with our daughter. And then he played uh, softball one night. He played golf one night. He had all these activities that he did around that time. So he was gone like at least four nights a week. I'm home with Kaylee. So then it got to be where when he was home, I was like, well, I'm going out. It's my turn. You know, you stay here with Kaylee. I'm going to go out. And that's because that was the lifestyle we had before then. You know, we went out and that's what we did, you know. And so he was going doing his thing and I was going doing my thing. And um, we were just spending a lot of time apart. And then when you're home, you're just doing the necessities, you know, you're taking care of what has to be taken care of. Um, I know for a fact that Guy and I loved each other. We fell in love. We loved each other as much as we knew how to love at that time, you know a young love it was a lot of emotions and all that but I, I totally believe it was love you know as much as we knew how um it got more selfish you know at that time that's when we started more pointing out things like uh well i did this well i did this well I, look what all i did this week well you did it well i'm doing you know i have to go to work i have to do this you know we just kind of start aiming things at each other you're kind of where you're not on the same team anymore. You start kind of like, well, you're tit for tat, you know, things like that. Um, that was, you know, the beginning of more fussing and things like that. But basically it was, uh, we loved each other, but we also still had a selfish love. It was like, well, I want to do this. Well, I want to do this. Well, what about me? You know, and we were still more thinking of ourselves in all of it. So, um, after a series of events and, you know, going that way for a while, we, our marriage came to a big fork in the road. And we've shared this part a lot here, I know, because it's what brought us back to church and, and everything. But um, it was a big, serious fork in the road, you know, where we both had to look at each other and talk and say, do we want to keep doing this? You know, do we want to stay married? And, and, uh, and I remember it all so clear, you know, just thinking, like, how could we get a divorce? Like, I knew he was the one, you know, how can I go on from here and think, what am I going to think next time? If I knew that he was the one, how am I going to think that again? You know what I mean? So, um, around that time also, Kaylee, we had my daughter, she was like a year old. And, um, because I had grown up from divorced parents and he had also, I remember thinking about her so much during that time, you know, I don't want this for her. You know, I didn't want her to have to go back and forth houses and just, you know, I just didn't want that for her. I didn't want one of us. It was one of the things, like when we got married and we had a baby, I remember thinking, this is why God says to do things in a certain order, because we were so happy, we were so joyful. It was something we shared together, being pregnant, having a baby, you know. It was just, I felt like the way God plans things out. And so um, I always remember, I grew up in a Christian home, so I had a Christian foundation during all that, even though we were living in the world. But um I remember thinking I just didn't want that for her. I didn't want one of us to wake up without her on Christmas. That was always the thing I remember thinking, like, how could, because I remember, like, when we had her and we had our first Christmas, like, all the childhood Christmases come back to you. You know, you kind of forget how it is to wake up with the kid and stuff. And so um, I just didn't want, I just couldn't imagine me not waking up with her or him not waking up with her because I knew how much we both loved her, you know. And uh, it wasn't like I felt like, well, I'm the mom, I love her more or something like that. I knew that wasn't the case. And so I just, uh, I didn't want for her to have what we had had. And going back to my parents, um, if there was, 
Well, I won't say it's healthy. My parents had me when they were very young. My mom was 17. My dad was 19. So that's pretty young. So uh, they were married, though. They actually got married before that. They got married when my mom was 15. I don't know who signed off on that, but back then, I guess they <laughs> did things younger. But uh, my mom was 15, so I guess my dad was 17. And they got married. They got pregnant with me. And then they were divorced, like, within a year. So before I was probably even a year or around a year old, they were divorced. Um, my dad remarried soon. Uh, to my stepmom, and uh, I lived with my real mom at first after the divorce. Around the time my dad got remarried, my real mom got remarried also, and they decided they didn't really want to have kids at the moment. So she gave custody to my dad. Around I was about two. Um, I grew up with my dad, my stepmom. She was from the time I was two. So really, before you even remember, that was my parents, you know. I always knew my real mom. I always had a relationship with her, went to visit her. But I grew up in the home with my stepdad and my, I mean, with my dad and stepmom. So she was my mom in all aspects to me. And so uh, my dad, both my parents remarried and had two more kids each. I was loved. They loved me so much. Everybody loved me, okay. I was never abused or talked down to or reject, you know, let me say, I won't say rejected, but I was never, you know, as much as I knew, I was loved. But even from a small child, I always remember feeling, you know, like they don't love me. They love these other kids more, you know. These are their kids together, so they probably love them more, you know. At my dad's house, that's how I felt. When I would go to my mom's house, they had, here's their little family, and they're all, they all fit here, and they all fit here, and then I'm kind of in the middle, you know. But nobody was telling me that. Nobody was treating me bad. It's just, you know, the seeds of all this divorce and stuff. That's my kind of my point in talking about this part is that I feel like even though, you know, I never remember when I was a teenager, I used to think my parents' divorce didn't have any effect on me because I was too young to know, know about it. I never experienced it. It wasn't like I was 10 and knew them together. I had no memory of them being together and no memory of the, any of that. So I thought, well, that didn't bother me. You know, that didn't affect me. Um, <clears throat> uh, during that time, as we, uh, my parents, my dad and stepmom got saved when I was about five, we started going to church. That's when their lives changed. God transformed them. Uh, my stepmom is actually who led my real mom to the Lord. Okay, that's a testimony right there, <laughs> for sure. Uh, they got to be great friends. I never experienced... Uh, the family drama that a lot of divorces go through, uh, them talking bad about each other. I never heard none of that. Everybody got along. So that was wonderful. That's something that to this day, I am so, so thankful that I had that they got along. And like, I hear all these stories, you know, you've heard them. It's probably some of y'all stories where your parents and step parents or whatever, you know, just basically use children as weapons and all this. And just children, little kids are real people, you know, we look at them like, oh, they're just a little kid. They're not, it doesn't really matter. They're not paying attention, but they're paying attention, and all these things that we as adults are doing affect them. Now, we as adults, we're just doing what we think we know to do at the time. That's the thing. It's like I feel like God showed me through all this, and later in life as I look back and I did things wrong in my marriage, and I almost caused a divorce in our family that, you know, I wasn't trying to do that to Kaylee, but, you know, I just wasn't thinking right and just we got off track and you know it just things happen but it 
it made me have more grace and mercy for my own parents. You know, they were young. What would I? How? What kind of parent would I've been if I would have had a kid at 17? You know, it's easy to judge looking back. You know, we all think, well, they're our parents. They're supposed to know. Well, I know in a way they are because <laughs> they're the adult. But everybody kind of is going on what they. You know, we're just all trying to do what we know to do. With the parents you had, there's a lot of we're all jacked up in some kind of way raising kids, and we're trying to do what we know to do. And we, and I mean, it's almost always you love your kid. Everybody loves their kids. They're not trying to hurt them by the decisions they make. They're just trying to do what at the time they think is the right thing. So, uh, anyway, um, it was a better place for me to be at my dad's. Looking back now, like I always, when I had Kaylee that's when a lot of stuff came up to me back up to me when I had my own child and then I started looking at mom thinking you gave me up like how I couldn't imagine giving Kaylee up you know all that those feelings that I always thought well that didn't really affect me or something all these things started coming back making me think like you know just feel rejection and just look at my mom differently like how could she have done that you know and um and, but also looking back, my point is all this testimony is everything that was done wrong. But as you look back on it, you know, hindsight 2020, um, I was raised in the best home I could have been raised in. Out of the two, if I would have been with my mom, it would have been bad because they, she, she, her husband was abusive and just all kinds of things. So God was looking out for me way back then, you know, even though I didn't know it and I think all this, God had me where I was supposed to be. Um, so um, back to me and Guy, we knew we wanted to save our marriage. We came to a point we talked. We knew we loved each other. We knew we wanted to do what we could do to save our marriage. So uh, we started coming to church. I've shared a lot of this part. We had already had uh, Tina invited us to church. We had been going to church a little after we got married, but it was just real sporadic. It was just kind of, oh, this makes us feel better. We're a little family now. We're taking our kid to church. You know, we didn't change anything in our life, in our personal life, but we went to church occasionally on a Sunday. So that made us feel like, oh, we're doing good, you know. So, but we, it didn't even occur to us to change anything in our life, really. So uh, we came here. Uh, we just fell in love with the church, the people, everything. It was just where we were supposed to be. Uh, we got committed. We got hooked up. We built friendships here. God, um, he just started changing us. You know, we were here every time the doors were open. And uh, he just, going through that and then sitting there being back with my husband and knowing that uh, God had saved our marriage. And I was just thankful, really, really thankful. I never taken it for granted that he saved our marriage or that we were able to work it out. I'm so thankful because I know a lot of times that doesn't happen. So um, as we grew in the Lord, you know, he worked on us to quit, you know, uh, drinking, quit cussing, quit doing things that we used to do over a period of time, not the first Sunday. You know, it took a couple of years to work some of that bigger stuff out. Uh, but over the years, you, he's always working something out in you in marriage. That's the point of it, unfortunately. No, <laughs> that's not the point of it, but it, a lot of things you're just like he said, there's you're always growing step by step in your Christianity and your marriage as an adult, you know. Um, our marriage wasn't perfect, but we knew after that, and when we made that commitment, recommitment again, we knew we were in it for the long haul and to never, we never think to give up on our marriage, you know. So, um, some of the things I've learned through, we've been married almost 25 years. We were dated for three years before that, so we've really been together 28 years. 
we're old. We've been together that long. That makes me really sound old. Uh, so really, I just wanted to share, like, what if I, you know, sometimes I think of this, like, I, when I was raising teenagers, I wanted to go to people who had teenagers, like, what did you do in this time? You know, what's your advice? What advice would you give? And, and I asked some people around here this week, like, if what would you give as your advice and stuff? So this is some that I feel like that, you know, you always look back and think of everything you did wrong or uh, you just it's so easy to focus on all the negative and everything you do wrong in a marriage or raising kids especially uh um but there's things that we've learned over the time to do right and i feel like some of this is what i would share about that one of the first ones that always sticks out to me is to apologize apologize to each other apologize to your kids my parents did that for me i remember them always apologizing to us if they i don't even remember what it was but i remember them coming and apologizing some parents might not think it might not occur to ever apologize to your kid like you know, we want them to act right, but if we act wrong, like, we don't ever go back and say, look, I'm, I shouldn't have acted like that. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have talked to dad like that. It really helps your kids to see, like, we're not trying to be perfect, and we're not, never claiming to be perfect. We are never going to be perfect, but we're just trying to do the best we can, and we're learning along the way. You know, everybody's learning along the way. And to apologize to each other, I feel like we're good about that. We accept responsibility you know even if, if you're always blaming the other person and there's never anything that comes to you that you see that you're doing wrong then there's you're probably wrong <laughs> there's something you know there's two people everybody has a part to play and so um i appreciate that we apologize to each other and to our kids about stuff and um just be willing to look at yourself in things uh it takes sometimes it's hard to do that or uh, be willing to try to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Look at it from their perspective. Even if you know you're right, you can try to look at it and think, how would they feel if this was them or what? Let me try to just see it from their side. You know, it really helps uh, to do that in any situation. Now, all, a lot of these things have, aren't just for marriage or any kind of relationship you have with your kids. So look at things from your kid's side. Sometimes I, you know, fuss with my kids or something or I tell them stuff and they don't, they want to do what they want to do, and I understand why they want to do that because I remember I have a I feel like I'm able to do that I remember what it feels like to be a teenager and you just want to go I don't care about all that stuff just let me go <laughs> you know but I know the other side of it now and so I can't just let them go but I, I still try to have uh, empathy or whatever you call it to try to understand why they feel that way instead of just tell them you're just stupid you're wrong and just do what i tell you you know you might still have to do what i tell you but i don't have to come at it from that angle of you know just quit being dumb or whatever <coughs> grow up think like i do i'm 45 like okay they're not 40 i'm not 45 now i'm 50 but <laughs> however old you are wasn't meaning i'm 45 however old you are we th expect people to think like we do especially younger people you know they haven't got we think this way because of the experiences we've been through in in our life uh another regarding kids kids have so much to do with marriage i feel like they uh because it's just you know you got these two people you're in love and you have all this and then these other little people come in and it's just so much responsibility and all this thing all these things and if you have uh, blended families there's a whole other added stuff we didn't have that but i know a lot of people do and so that adds a whole other aspect to things you know um i would say uh, as a married couple be united have a united front in front of your kids as much as you can 
because kids are not even little kids they're little flesh ma uh, manipulative they can see where y'all might have a crack in there or if mom they see mama taking up for them all the time to dad they're gonna play that they will you know they do <laughs> you know they can be little bitty and they can see that yeah so i feel like uh, that's a very very important um it doesn't mean you're always in agreement there's been many times where we had situations with our kids or especially with Kaylee as a teenager, we went through a lot with her. And, uh, like, sometimes he would be saying stuff, and I'd be thinking, don't say that, you know. But I did not say it in front of her because I knew that divided us in front of her right then. You know, when we got away from her, I would we would immediately discuss it, and then we would go back and, you know, I, we would have – we have always talked good. We have good communication. Uh, we see things differently, but kids need both – balances you know a lot of times moms are the soft and could be easily or manipulated you know where and dads can see it more but then dads can be really tough if moms aren't you know balance, helping to balance things out so always talking and um you know trying to be united in front of the kids is a good thing and um and hard to do because sometimes you want to say stuff in front of them or, or so um kids need both uh learn each other learn their personalities this takes time so if you're newly married you just gotta keep trying <laughs> uh learn you know don't take everything personal i've struggled with that you know who might say something nice i'm like what do you mean by that what are you trying to say you know <laughs> and just because he jokes a lot so i'm always like did you mean that or were you trying to you know what are you doing but uh learn each other's personality uh People grow up, and they are uh, some of all their experiences, you know. And we grew up with two totally different experiences. And so uh, a lot of us just learning to live together and be together. Uh, I put try to see things from their perspective again. Uh, talk, communicate. Don't expect people to read your mind, even if you've known each other a long time and you think that they should know. They might not. They probably don't know, you know. So don't just expect that, that they know what they should know. Well, you should know better. Well, still talk, you know. Uh, I feel like men might struggle in that area a little more, but there might be women that struggle talking or just think, well, you should know. I'm not going to tell you again or something. But um, I would suggest guardrails in your marriage. Um, there's a series of heard of guardrails on different areas in your life, and a guardrail is something that when you're driving down the road, it keeps you from dangerous areas. It's it, you bump it up against it before you go in the ditch. You know, it's not over in the ditch. It's before you get there. So, I think looking if you as as things go along, if you see you might have trouble if you drink or you shouldn't be drinking. But if you drink and you might over every time you drink, y'all get in a fight. You might want to not drink. You know, that would be a guardrail in your marriage or something like that. Uh, other things, going out drinking with your friends, away from your spouse. I'm not for drinking at all. I will tell you right now, God, that was one of the main things God uh, set me free from and delivered me from and told me I don't need to be doing because it, you know, you know why. But anyway, I'm, I'm using these as examples because I know a lot of young people and new Christians, they might still do these things. I know a lot of people, Christians, that 
they drink however so but i we personally would never ever stand it we, we just don't because we're leading people we're leading our kids i don't know how i could do that and lead people and say you shouldn't do it i know all these people have issues with it and say well i could but i can do it so i'm sorry you can't but i'm still going to do it that's we're, we're totally not for that so anyway uh guardrails uh you know these days a guardrail will be you don't facebook friend your old boyfriends you know there's, I've known tons of marriages that have broke up over things like that. And my mom and uh, my dad and stepmom is one of them. They were married 41 years and they ended up getting a divorce uh, over a Facebook old flame. So I won't, that's a whole other message, but uh, it happens and, and just different things that you, you can figure out along the way when you start. If you can look at your marriage objectively and see things, what, we, what do we fight about more? It could be clothes or laundry or a house. Okay, how can we guardrail this or what can we do to help each other to do, you know, I, I hate doing, like he said, he, he don't love to do dishes or something, but he's done them a couple of times. So, you know, just to help and, you know, help me and do things like that. Uh, kids, you know, kids are huge. We love our kids. Everybody loves our kids. And it's hard to not let them take priority in the marriage, especially when they're little because they're so cute and cuddly and they're just so needy and you got to give them so much uh, effort to them. But um, our, our responsibility is to raise them the best we can and then they're supposed to grow up and leave and go do their own life. And then marriage is till death to us part. So, a lot of marriages, you know, you grow, you raise these kids and then you grow up and then they grow up and then you're looking at the stranger over here. And, you know, it's not supposed to be like that. And it takes effort to, to make it not be that way. I feel like the best thing you can show your kids is a healthy, loving marriage, not a perfect marriage. There's no perfect people, no perfect marriage, but always, you know, trying to do our best and admitting wrong when we do it. And um, another funny thing, I don't know if I can explain this right, but... uh. I heard this in a message about men's and women's brains being different. He said men's brain is uh, like a waffle where you got all these little squares. Okay? There's, they're compartmentalized, I guess that's what he meant. You know, they got their work, they got this, they got that, and everything's separate. But he said women is like spaghetti. <laughs> everything is connected to everything. And so you move one thing, you move the whole glob, like everything. <laughs> And I know for me, that's a big struggle is I'll, you know, I get in my mind a lot anyway, but just everything is connected and I can't, it's not supposed to necessarily be that way. That's why we have to keep going to the Lord about everything in our lives. You know, I can not be there for God because I'm so consumed with work and this and the kids and none, none, you know, I, I'm just, all I see is everything at once. And, and that's not a healthy way to be either. So um, it basically also all boils down to the love scripture. Lisa, can you put that up there? Uh, you know, love is thrown away. Or the word love is thrown around a lot. Um, we love everybody. We love our spouse. That's the main thing that you do when you get married is you marry the person you love. Uh, you, uh, it doesn't matter. NLT or something. Uh, God is love. This is the script, the definition, the only definition I've ever even heard. I've never heard really any like a worldly definition of love, but uh, oh no, not message. Okay, <laughs> no. like NLT or or NIV. 
anyway, uh, yeah, anytime in any relationship you're struggling with, um, and we, we claim we're Christians and God is love and he gave us this scriptures from the Bible. So, uh, this definition, I mean, is really a great way to look at what love is. It's not a feeling for one. It, it's a decision you make. And, and these are what it says. He says, love is They're patient and kind. So be patient and kind with each other, not jealous or boastful or proud. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Maybe not, um, you know, well, something happened, y'all had a fight, and you were ended up being right. You don't go through, you don't have to go through that in their face. Well, I was right. I, you know, I'm rejoicing about his injustice because I was just to prove that I was right. <clears throat> you can go to the next one. Uh, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And it is possible to endure through every circumstance with Jesus. You know, that's, uh, it's not just me and God. It's our love for Jesus and God that helps us to love each other better. And so, um, I guess I got a minute. I do want to read a couple of advice. I asked a couple of people, and we might do this some more on the next weeks, but, um, just some people who have been married a while. Uh, if you had some marriage advice, what would you give? You know, uh, one of them said, um, "Keep God in the center of your marriage always. Don't forget what made you or why you fell in love with that person. That's a really good one. You know, we can get you can totally forget how y'all were in the beginning because of all the life stuff that gets in the way. You know, you just turn into roommates or something, and that's not how it's supposed to be at all." Talk about things, not argue, especially in front of your children. If you can't, walk away till you can, and your way is not the only way. That's good. Don't keep things from each other. Remain friends always. Pray about everything and never give up on what God has ordained your marriage to be. Marriage is a covenant between you and your spouse, which is a promise that we shouldn't so easily be able to walk away from. That was one. That was really good. Uh, another one is... Uh, Love each other through the hard times. You're both imperfect. You both have things to work on. When we went through our hardest time in our marriage, I wanted to quit because I was hurt and it was too hard. But the Lord had a simple reply for me, just love him. 1 Corinthians 13 ends with steadily trust, trust steadily in the Lord. Love like you've never been hurt and love big. The hard times come and go, but the love grows deeper each test that you win together. And that's so true. I've said that before about our church family. Like we go through hard things and it's always reminded me of a marriage. Each time you stay and stick through it and make it through some, a hard time, you, your roots grow deeper and you grow stronger and closer together. The hard times come and go, the love, and importantly in the middle, remember who the real enemy is. That's good. I've heard that a couple different that from other married people that uh, we it's so easy to focus on each other and look at the negatives and not remember that there's an enemy that's trying to destroy your family and your marriage and remember that we're on the same team you're not against each other that you're for each other and I think that's it so thank y'all for letting me share this one She's so cute. I'm thinking I'm going to have to kiss her in church again like I did last week. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, Angie, she studies so much. She listens to so much preaching. I, 
I always catch her in her little prayer closet, and, and she's in there spending time with the Lord. And that's be my advice to some of you spouses: if your Lord is, or your wife or husband is spending time with the Lord, let them. Let them. That is more important than spending time with you, because if you keep Jesus in the center of your marriage, that's what's going to give them the love to love you. And that's why, we, that's why God says, you know, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. You get married to somebody that they don't know the love of God, how are they ever going to love you right? The only love they know is a selfish kind of love. And when you're not giving them what they want and you never will be able to give them what they feel like they need, they'll be out of there. And so God tells us uh, to be yoked with somebody who has that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 kind of perspective. And if you don't have that in your marriage, read that scripture together and remind each other, you're supposed to be patient to me and kind. You better start doing this. And you, No, don't do it like that. <laughs> but read and say, baby, I'm sorry, I haven't been kind to you in this respect, or I haven't been patient with you, and I'm not thinking the best of you. I thought I was just naturally assuming that you were going to do this or going to do that. One thing I wanted to say uh, I was going to preach after she got through with her five-minute testimony, but we'll get to that next week, and you can be assured it's going to be a humdinger. We're continuing on about marriage, and uh, as, as you can see, this is, these are life principles. They work best in marriage, but they work all the way through life, so you single people. Uh, once again, how many of you are single and want to be married? All right, look around. It's all guys. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, I really think that's why a lot of people go to those bigger churches. Single people, you hardly ever find them at a small church. They're always wanting to go to a bigger church where they can find somebody. But you need to be where God puts you if you want to find the right one. So don't be trying to make it happen on your own, all you singles. Okay, anyway, I, I just wanted to say from last week, you know, as a pastor, you think I'm, I mean, you know me, you, you think he ain't all there. You know, he's, he's not that bright. His, you know, he says a bunch of words that ain't even in a dictionary. And, <laughs> and, and so you're thinking I, I probably just say stuff without thinking about it. But I promise you I pray about the things I say. And when I say things and when I leave, I pray, Lord, did I tell them what you wanted me to tell them? I tell them how you wanted me to tell them. Did I say things in love? Did I bring correction in love and everything? Because I care about what you leave with. I don't want to just say something because it sounds cool and, and it, you leave brokenhearted because of it. And I wanted to say last week I spoke some very tough truths. I believe I spoke the truth, but we talked about divorce and we talked about abortion. We talked about homosexuality. We talked about some tough things last week. And, and while I did at one point say, remind you that we're all forgiven, you know, that, that the blood of Jesus washes away our past and everything, I talked about some things that may have, may have been raw to you. Uh, when I got home, I just, I got to feeling like, I wanted to say this week, that when we talk about these major life issues, marriage is a major life issue, kids are a major life issue, I mean, we're talking about heartstrings here. These are the things your heart is connected to. And so when we talk about these things, we're talking about it from a perspective of 
the past is in the past. You are in the present. And what we're talking about is where we're going in the future. Okay, so we're not saying these things to condemn you for your past. Why would I bring up these things and try to condemn you for what Jesus has already forgiven you for? So I, I just wanted to make it clear that if you have had an abortion in the past, if you've had a divorce in the past, if you feel like you didn't raise your kids right, or if you're in marriage troubles right now and you know a lot of it is your fault or whatever, th these messages are here to help us move forward with a different perspective and, and correct some of the things that may have led to the, the bad decisions we made in the past. So these truths have to be spoken. But I felt like last week I left you, some of you hurting, maybe, without making that clear. So I, I apologize about that. And uh, I want you to know that 1 John 1.9 is the Christian's best friend. For if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness, to wash you white as snow, just like those guys demonstrated today, you know. Which one of us doesn't have a past that needed to be buried with Christ in baptism? But we can be raised to a new life, a new resurrection. And so all these things that we're talking about, though they're difficult things to hear sometimes, uh, they're about moving forward. And you know, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. He didn't wait for us to get everything together. And I know in my own Christian life, I think, man, I should be doing better. I should be praying more. I should be closer to God. I should be. And, and we always struggle. Because see, God sets the bar at perfection. God sets the bar at Jesus. And so there will always be a struggle between where you are and where you're supposed to be. And that's how we live our life. Moving forward. Pressing. Running this race. We have an enemy. It's not your wife. No, but I was pointing her because she, she mentioned that. We have an enemy. There is a fight on this side of heaven, right? But God shall anoint your head with oil till your cup runneth over. He's preparing a table before you. His rod and his staff will comfort you. He is leading you through this valley. And he's going to get you to the other side. And he knew where we are and what we've done and the mistakes that we've made. And he loved us anyway. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us with an everlasting love. And he still does. And he knows all your stuff right now. He knows your secret thoughts. He knows those sins that you're still fiddling with, so to speak. And he wants to bring you out of those. And so what we all need is those times in the prayer closet. See, Jesus is the answer to a marriage. Jesus is the answer to raising your children. Jesus is the answer for coming out of bondage. Jesus is the forgiveness that we all desperately need. None of us have arrived. And so when she goes to people and she asks for marriage advice, that's because we're all just here to help one another Learn and grow. We're here to develop Jesus' heart in you. It's what we do. We each come and learn that we may go and teach, making true disciples who would take up their cross and follow the Lord. So God's plan is the church. 
in a church setting, in a family setting, that we share with one another what we know. That's why she said she loves testimony. She learns so much from testimonies. Sometimes testimonies can make the, the Word of God come alive to us. You know, the Word of God is alive. But sometimes we read it like it's a dusty old book. But it is working in, in so many people's lives. And when we see that, it brings it home to us. And so we share what we did wrong. We share what we know now. We share what we hope to be our future with one another. And we encourage one another to move forward from this place that we are on into the, the, the future with God, on the path, on to the straight and narrow. See, we're coming off that broad path where any old fool can walk. We're all just trying to learn so that we can go and teach and, and we can be a positive force for our children, for our, our spouses, for future generations. Because that's what this is. You know, if Jesus tarries, the things that you are learning during this series may be what saves your marriage may be what turns the tide of divorce and the curse of divorce or, or whatever the curse is in your life, drinking, whatever the curse that has got a hold of your life. God wants to turn those things, and he's given us a church and preaching and the foolishness of preaching that we may find the answer, the solution, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we may come to know him and the power of his resurrection in our lives. Because we're all in need of a good resurrection every morning. Especially you teenagers who stay in bed till 12. You need a good resurrection. <laughs> Get up with excitement. Make the devil tremble. Say, this is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. God has a plan for your life, and it's about moving forward. So I just wanted to apologize if anybody was made to look back in the past and left here a little empty last Sunday. Because the past is the past. The Apostle Paul said, this one thing I do, I forget the past. And I press on towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I have a race to run. I will finish my course. And there's laid up for me a crown in heaven. And for all who will keep their eyes on Jesus and keep pressing towards the prize. I love you guys. Miss Angie loves you guys. We have, like she said, we got here, we was wet behind the ears. We were just new pups, uh, and some of you guys took us under your wing, and we got baptized here. We've learned what we learned here in this church, and I'm telling you, the church is God's plan. And if I can encourage you one thing, stay hooked up with the church. I didn't understand the importance of the church until, you know, for many years. I thought it was just something that I do, you know, like me and Angie, when, before we even really got saved, we went to church to make ourselves feel better. We had no idea it was supposed to change our lives. But God got a hold of this old wretch like me. And got a hold of Angie. And now we have turned the corner. Now we have broken the cycle of divorce for our future generations. We have shown our children from the best of our ability, as soon as we have learned it, we have put it in them, that marriage is forever. 
And this is how you're supposed to treat your wife. This is how you're, you're supposed to show a united front. Like Angie said, probably the best thing we can show our children. Happy wife, happy life. That's right. Is, is that mom and dad love each other and there's no D word in their vocabulary. I'm going to say something about that and I'm going to close because it's time. Because I'm just, I'm free willing in here today, all right? We'll get her done. That D word, and you know what I'm talking about. That D word almost not ought to never be uttered out of a Christian's mouth. I wish it I wish to God it weren't. And it should never be something you throw out. Just casually, not even joking. That D word will make little kids tremble and will scar their lives forever. And I want you to know, men, your wives, they are looking to you to be their protector, your protector, your covering. And when you would dare utter that word in their presence, you have just shattered that protection. And now they are vulnerable, and that changes the way they see the world. Words matter. And the best thing you can do for your marriage is you can go home today and you can talk to your spouse and you can say, I... I may have said, th said that in the past, and we may have talked that D word before, or just, we were just joking, or maybe we were serious. But I'll tell you what, I'm never saying that again. That's not an option in our house. That's not an option. You don't keep your options open in marriage. It was till death do you part. There's not a plan B. The option is you stay together no matter what. And when that's the only option, that's when you make it work. That's when it works. The D word, don't say it. Don't joke it. Don't write it. Don't even think it. It's not an option. You're going to work it out. Well, I don't like her. I don't like him. I don't want to be with them. You did it first. And the one... Remember, who's the one for you? The one to whom you said, I do. The moment you said, I do, that person became the one that God gave you. And that is the one you, you said it, you meant it then, something has happened between then and now. But whatever happened between then and now can be reversed with God's way of thinking. You can make the changes that you made, the changes you made that were bad, you can make them back. And I'm telling you, you need to be here for next week's sermon because I'm going to start preaching it if I don't stop. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.